I think a materialist approach to things is very, very consistent with uh, my experience in Christian social justice. I feel like the, the deeper I get into anarchist practice, the deeper my faith is getting at the same time. I would hope that you know, securing means of life for all would be something all people of faith would say, oh yes, that's at the basis of what we believe. Those who are most marginalized know the most about the truth, good and the beautiful. To me, it's less that I think building class solidarity is a bad thing, as much as it seems like if you don't attend to things like anti-black racism, um, that's always going to get in the way of building class solidarity, actually. And when you go back, you find that a lot of uh, revolutionary grassroots participatory movements, the, the precursors to what you could call um, the barrio assemblies and these like, you know, grassroots neighborhood organizations, a lot of these were sponsored by the church. What does it mean to say that the Christian tradition is internally contradictory and there are antagonisms there? Um, you're always uh, being faithful to some aspects and betraying other aspects. Welcome to the Magnificast, a podcast about Christianity and leftist politics. I'm Matt Bernico, your co-host, and I'm really into pirates now. That's a weird thing to say at the top of a podcast, but it's true. I, uh, <laughs> in, in these terrible pandemic times, Dean got me to read a book about pirates, and I love pirates now. The thing about pirates is that it's not all Disney movies and Jack Sparrow, although... As people who follow me on Twitter know, that's a very important part of it. Um, the thing about pirates is it's also a workers' movement of the sea. And holy cow, I can't stop getting enough of it in this pandemic times. As soon as I can get out of this apartment, um, I'm going to find myself the nearest uh, big schooner and uh, make my way out into Lake Ontario. That's right. I'm going to get a barrel of limes and I'm going to join the crew and get all the way down to David Jones' locker. Yep. Take back what's ours from the old <laughs> naval fleet. Oh, man. Um, Dean and I have been really getting into Marcus Redeker, who is a historian, a Marxist historian, who writes about pirates, um, who wrote a book called The Villains of All Nations, and it is rad as hell. Unfortunately, <laughs> we are not going to talk about pirates in this episode. <laughs> We're going to talk I about wish. something worse, bad. <laughs> the, pirates of, the pirates of Twitter, they're not even that cool. Um, no, we're there's talk a, the about... Royal Navy of Twitter. That's right, the Royal Navy of Twitter. Um, we're going to talk about the the dumb, stupid, and awful religious left discourse <laughs> that's been going on this past week because of a dumb, stupid, and awful uh, New York Times article that came out called Christianity Gets Weird by Tara Isabella Burton. Um, the article itself, man, it is severely confused and has a lot of considerable errors in it um, that we'll talk about in just a minute, maybe. Um, but the worst, its worst offense is that it made everyone talk about the religious left again. <laughs> and it shouldn't have. Um, so, yeah, um, we're going to talk about some of the responses that all of the journalist types have been having to the overarching religious left conversation, um, why they're bad. And um, we're going to be revisiting some older content of ours to talk about um, religious left in the only right, true and good way. So before we do that, though. Let's just talk about this dumb, this dumb New York Times article. Okay, Dean, talk about it, quick, please. Uh, 
Yeah, we cannot stay on it um, because I will I will surely die. Uh, but it is an article, as you said, called Christianity Gets Weird. The framing of the article is hard to talk about exactly because it's all very confusing. It's hard to know where to, to dive in. Um, here's the, okay, here's the the most neutral way I can put it. <clears throat> oh. Yeah. Fair and balanced. It's an article that... Uh, tries to present Christians who are interested in Christianity, that good old time religion, but even older than that, uh, tries to present those Christians who are interested in that sort of thing as kind of bucking the trend of modernity, as as preparing a, an interesting counterculture of resistance to all the, the strange trends of social distancing, of social media, of technology, of capitalism, etc. That's the neutral way of putting it. Um, in reality, what it does is it throws a whole bunch of people who are on Twitter basically into a mess uh, and says they're all doing the same thing, uh, it, including people like maybe people know of Benjamin Crosby is like an Anglican um, Episcopal uh, socialist kind of type conservative guy, conservative socialist guy. Um, throws that guy into the same pot as like Rod Dreher, a, a Francoist um, Spanish Catholic loving <laughs> reactionary who has a popular blog that we've talked about too much on this website. Uh, the article tries to sort of throw all these people in a big pot and say, um, this is weird Christian sort of uh, trend in the world and how fascinating that must be. And it has made Christianity punk again. It's a problem. I feel confused a... just talking about it, just trying to explain it. I can't even do it, um, but hopefully I, I hit the high points. Right. I mean, it is trying to make Christianity seem punk, which is a problem for so many reasons. It's trying to paint Christianity as this um, thing that is surprisingly progressive sometimes and also transgressive against social values like capitalism. But really, it does just a very confusing job of that. Um, the way that you kept describing it, Dean, is putting people into a pot is a very good, <laughs> very good analogy. I don't know why it kept coming up. <laughs> you know, uh, in the town that I grew up in, there is a festival called the Burgoo Festival. And uh, I don't know if that, I don't know what that word even really means, but it was a festival where everyone brings one thing and you throw it into the pot <laughs> and you just have a big, gross, yucky stew. Love it. And that's what that article is kind of like. Um, and to make matters worse, <laughs> if one bad article wasn't enough, um, all of the all of your fave religious left journalists decided that they, too, were going to throw something in that big yucky pot <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, all of all of Saturday, all of Sunday, our entire weekend was ruined because people were disagreeing loudly on Twitter about the religious left. And there's some hot takes about it. Okay. Wait. Hang on. Pause. Back up. Reverse. I just need to qu quickly say this. Christianity is not punk. I don't ever want anyone to say that ever again. Stop. <laughs> Stop especially uh, extremely conservative uh, high church Christianity is especially not punk. Doubly not punk. It's not. No, it's not. Um, I hate that. I hate that whole trope. No one should say anything is punk but punk and that's it. Um, what's that words mean something in this one, this one occasion. Okay. <laughs> Play. We can go back. We can go back to what we were doing. Right. Right. Um, okay. So there's a whole lot of different takes, a whole lot of people chimed in on this. I mean, if you exist on Twitter, you know about it and you hate it. I'm sure as much as I do. Um, but I think that we are going to parse out this episode along the 
two different axes of two different religious left types <laughs> of journalists. Um, we're going to, we're going to talk about, uh, um, we'll start the conversation off with this. Um, Liz Brunig, she is a person, she writes articles, she covers religion, <laughs> she covers politics. Everyone knows her on Twitter. Um, she's fine. So Liz Brunig, um, she says, uh, this on Twitter, it is a problem for us. And the way that we're going to organize this conversation is around this question. So she says, the problem is there's no meaningful religious left as I've written, and there's never going to be one. Not in the USA anyways. It's just people on the internet. And even then, I guarantee you, there are more bronies than Catholic socialists. It's quite the statement. It's bombastic. It's untrue <laughs> and <laughs> problematic in a whole lot of ways. Um, there is kind of like a kernel of something in there that she's talking about that is that like you, you kind of get like there's not a well-funded and powerful network of leftist Christians in the United States who are guiding the president. <laughs> there's no Sandinistas in the U.S. <laughs> that's right. There are no Sandinistas in the U.S. Um, and there's not ever going to be. That's just uh, unimaginative thinking, but maybe she's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Liz Brunig, to the question, does the religious left exist? She thinks no. Okay. So there's that. Um, Dean, do you want to talk about the other end, the other axes of our uh, conversation here? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. The other axis is uh, Jack Jenkins. He's a journalist who has made it like his uh, his personal brand to cover the religious left. Um, he, among others, have kind of made the religious left a, a journalism meme or trope. Uh, and whatever, more power to you. Everybody's got to find their niche. Uh, the way that Jack Jenkins covers it can be somewhat frustrating, but also he, he finds you know certain things that are worth covering, etc. Anyway, he responded to this assertion uh, by Liz Brigg that uh, the religious left doesn't exist with a uh, pretty, um, uh, as you might suspect, um, resounding uh, rebuttal, <laughs> um, saying, uh, no, there's nothing on the left that looks or operates like the religious right. The modern left is organized as a coalition of coalitions and often disagrees with itself at all levels, religious or otherwise. There isn't a machine politics apparatus that rivals the religious right. Um, he goes on to say in a Twitter thread descending from that in another tweet that uh, there is a lot of disagreement over what people count as left in the first place. Um, it's not like a term that we all agree on, including scholars don't all agree on it, um, which is true. Uh, but as we'll say, as we'll see in a minute, it's not it doesn't make it meaningless. Um, he does say, though, that the left in general is this kind of uh, amorphous thing that collects lots of elements. And when it can do that, then it's really powerful. And there's a, a religious element in there, too. And the religious left is, uh, you know, just like the regular left, full of all kinds of disparate people and, and movements and things. And the key is to kind of see where those those little um, things show up and then where they kind of coalesce into something. So um, I think that's the Jack Jenkins response, which is to say, well, to say there's no such thing as the religious left is, first of all, to misidentify the religious left, which is, I think, true. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but secondly, it's also to uh, ignore all these kinds of grassroots organizations that do exist um, on the ground, out in the world. Yeah, I think that's good. So on the one hand, we've got Liz Brunig. Does the religious left exist? No. Then we got Jack Jenkins. Does the religious left exist? Yes. You have heard it said. <laughs> 
both of these things, but I say, we say, <laughs> Jack Jenkins is kind of right. The religious left does exist, but more more interestingly than he seems to think, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, the religious left does exist, but only if it's bigger than just the electorate, right? It's bigger than electoral politics. It's bigger than the Democratic Party. And, uh, you know, who cares uh, about Nancy Pelosi quoting the Bible? Um, But also, uh, it's more than just that, too, because the left is a lot weirder than Jack Jenkins usually notices, right? Like, um, (laughs) sometimes he covers interesting stories and it's cool, but a lot of times he leaves out really interesting stories like, um, you know, never once has a religious left type focused on what was the friendly fire collective or whatever. Right. And any of their, their like actions. So um, yeah, I I mean, Jack Jenkins is right in some of these ways, but also I think the, what the religious left actually is from maybe a a deeper analysis um, uh, exceeds his um, perspective. Yeah, uh, that's right. All right, let's now that we've got the the two kind of meta positions on the table here that we'll intervene in in a minute here. Um, that's kind of just maybe like a cross section that we could use to uh, say a little bit more by way of setup. So obviously, there's lots of other people who said lots of other things on Twitter. I don't know, probably none of it's interesting. I said some things I don't even remember. They're probably not interesting either. Uh, the huge sticking point, really, in all these conversations, though, I think, is what counts as the left. Uh, some folks think that the left is just being a Democrat. Other people think that it means something different, that it's a little bit bigger or it's uh, being a specific kind of Democrat or whatever. Um, there's a lot of debate around, you know, where to draw the boundaries of that term. So what else can we do as Marxist Christians specifically uh, then try to add a little bit of nuance to this conversation? I mean, obviously, we have a, an ideological perspective, right? We come from a Marxist tradition or whatever. But uh, the thing about Marxism as the good science that it is, <laughs> you you have to uh, look at the material conditions themselves and articulate them in a way that's honest, right? Not in a way that's just wishful thinking. Um, so one thing that's helpful when we're defining the left is trying to say, well, there are great gradations within the left. Uh, the left is a rhetorical term that we use to capture certain things fairly or unfairly. Um, and there are better and worse ways of parsing out what that means. So in this episode, we'll do a little bit of an intervention in this ongoing religious left discourse and try to parse out the difference between being on the left in some ways and being on the left in some other ways. And hopefully that will also allow us to see the religious left a little bit differently. Um, So one more thing by way of intro here. We've talked about the problem of the religious left as a concept in the past on kind of a bunch of episodes now, like three or four. Um, Back then, we said that most of the discourse around the religious left basically shows that it's kind of a journalism meme, right? It's a a construct that journalists use to sell their stories to editors who will buy them if they can be convinced that this is something worth covering. Uh, But it also is true that there are important religious people on the left, and there are leftists interested in religion, right? So if the religious left is trying to identify something in the world, then sure, maybe we could talk more about that. Uh, when it actually comes down to the discourse surrounding like this article and kind of the the article or the the tweets in general, again, that conversation always revolves around defining the left. 
there's religious the religious left as people who go to church and also vote for Democrats. There's the religious left as progressive people who find some connection between their politics and faith. And then there's the religious left that's to the left of mainstream progressivism. Um, we're going to work out an even more detailed taxonomy in a minute, but hopefully that just kind of gets us swirling around a little, uh, some different possibilities that that term could open up if we tried to complicate it. Yeah, so let's do it. Let's complicate it by way of making it more clear. <laughs> um, so what is the left? We've definitely talked about this before so many times in so many episodes, but I don't care. We're doing it again because the material <laughs> conditions demand it. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of different ways we could probably answer this question. Um, what is the left? And, like, maybe how is it distinct from liberalism? But I think the best place to look is actually uh, revisiting an article an article from 1984. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, from from the monthly review which is a magazine that still exists that you should subscribe to by sister kathleen schultz who used to be the national secretary for christians for socialism in the u.s um it's a helpful article i mean it's dated obviously because it's from 1984 but it's a helpful article because she breaks down the christian left into four categories um and she's talking about the christian left but we should note here that it's not just i mean you know there's not just a christian left if there is, it's probably small, but you know, there's a, there's a religious left in general that is made up of all kinds of people of different faiths. Right. And I think that's an important thing to know in these conversations. Um, Kathleen Schultz is writing specifically about the Christian left, but I think a lot of these um, same distinctions can be made of a religious left in general. Does that sound fair, Dean? Yeah, I think so. You, you'd have to do a little more work maybe to, we'll, we'll make that as a caveat. All right, we're going to follow Kathleen Schultz in restricting our conversation to Christians because that's the only thing we have any business <laughs> talking about, obviously. <laughs> that's fair, um, yes. But uh, yes, you you could probably do some work to figure out how to adapt this uh, taxonomy that could be broadened out to make sense of other traditions. Yeah, good. Helpful caveat that lets us off the hook just a little bit. Um, but if you're interested in the, uh, the larger conversation about the religious left versus the Christian left, there is actually a really good article in Sojourners called The Media's Religious Left is Erasing Marginalized Communities of Faith by Harmeet Kambouj, which is, uh, it's, it's a good kind of explanation of what is going on here sort of rhetorically and um, in, in the media with regards to uh, the religious left and the Christian left and how these two things kind of get conflated in some problematic ways. So something to go read if you can read. And you should. <laughs> yeah, it's a good a good addition to the conversation. Um, all right. So why don't we dive into uh, Kathleen's taxonomy? And then once we get through that a little, we can expand it. Uh, we can come back to Liz Brunigan, Jack Jenkins. Does that sound like a good strategy? Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, the first category, there are four categories in total. Um, and they move progressively kind of down the, the spectrum toward the left. Um, the first category is what Kathleen calls center-center Christians, which she says includes both Protestant and Catholic liberals within the mainstream U.S. denominations. Basically, good institutionalists, right? They, they believe in the working of uh, the Democratic Party. They believe in their own church institutions. They're pretty run-of-the-mill liberal types. Um, there's nothing too exciting about them. Uh, I think if you had to plot like specific people here, maybe you could say like, I don't know, Nancy Pelosi would be the political analog, right? Like she is a Catholic, I guess, <laughs> and also <laughs> the, a Democrat. 
um, sure. who's uh, yeah, not not a radical lady, right? Um, in terms of like churches, I guess you'd have to go find like some kind of basic average uh, Protestant leader who agrees with all the stuff. They're probably not hard to find, but I don't know any of them. Um, but anyway, center center Christians. That's the first one. They're right smack dab in the middle. Um, I want to introduce the terrible, second category. Awful. Yes, I don't like exactly them. beige gray. <laughs> not cool um <laughs> not punk uh not let me punk. talk about the the second category though and then we'll talk about them both together um because i think they kind of go together so the second category moving a little bit further down the left is center left christians uh kathleen says their activity is based in anti-capitalist uh critique within a social democratic framework but she means that that framework is still within the democratic party and she mm-hmm. also says that they're explicitly anti-communist so mm-hmm. um when you hear a social democratic framework, don't think like, oh, they're, uh, you know, Bernie Sanderites or something. Um, these are Christians who are like a little more concerned about social justice, but still attached to their institutions in, in really important ways. Um, the reason I draw these two out together is that I think that a lot of religion left journalism is basically just these two categories, right? Yeah. Like it's Christians who are invested in the Democratic Party and it's people in the Democratic Party who are invested in making relationships with pastors or speaking at churches, right? This is the religion journalism where it's like Elizabeth Warren spoke in front of a crowd of 80 pastors, or it's the religion journalism that says um, this pastor is uh, going around trying to, I don't know, drum up support for this or that bill in in legislation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the the bulk, I think. Does that seem fair? Yeah, I think so. I think that makes sense as a description for sure. Um, okay, well, after that, we have the third category. Uh, Kathleen Schultz writes, a third major sector of the Christian left are the socially committed. They have a more thoroughgoing critique of capitalism and have begun to develop an alternative ecclesial and theological awareness. However, they are unable to project alternatives ideologically, organizationally, or programmatically. Their activity in the main takes the form of prophetic denunciation and symbolic resistance. So, um, yeah, I think that makes sense as uh, as a group of people. I mean, um, I, I think that this might come off a little bit harsh, but like you might think of something like the Poor People's Campaign or um, as this kind of, as this kind of category, right? Like, I don't want to say that the poor people's campaign only does symbolic resistance, but at the same time, they're not like, um, they're not militantly at anti-capitalist in the ways that like some other Christians who are further to the left might be. Um, but I, I think that's a, it's a helpful distinction to make, right? People who are socially committed to lots of all, like all kinds of social ills. Um, they have a critique of capitalism as being sort of a problem, um, and they have some ideas about it, but um, unable to think like alternatively uh, along more anti-capitalist lines in terms in terms of you know socialism, anarchism, communism in that way. Um, so I think yeah. that's pretty helpful. Um, and then yeah. finally, <laughs> uh, the furthest down the list, the furthest left of the list, maybe the top of the <laughs> the leftist pyramid. I don't know <laughs> exactly <laughs> which way to do this. But uh, she writes that there's a final category is that of the politically committed Christians characterized primarily by revolutionary left practice and socialist political commitment. Um, this is it. This is as far as left as you can go. <laughs> um, but this is these are these are Christians who um, I think, like the last, understand capitalism as a problem, 
and who have sort of like a uh, a more thoroughgoing uh, idea of what an alternative might be for them. I, I mean, you know, uh, Kathleen Schultz is writing this thinking of, um, you know, socialism particularly, but, you know, you could be an anarchist and kind of fit into this category too, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. The last time we talked about this uh, taxonomy, we made the mistake of putting the Catholic worker in the third category of socially committed oh, no. Christians. No, um, do that which again. was the I know <laughs> I think that was the episode that uh, prompted um, Joe Cruz and Brenna Cousin to come on our show and talk to us and set us straight. So um, now the Catholic worker belongs in the fourth category. That's the the official Magnificat line. Yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, a, an important part of uh, of being a Marxist is understanding self-criticism. And I think that's important. <laughs> we were yeah, wrong. That's right. We were wrong. Shane Claiborne, uh, though, he does he does still deserve to be in the third category. Well, maybe in yeah. the second, too. You know, he's on the cusp. I think he's outside the Democratic Party, but yeah. Uh, critical of capitalism, but uh, prophetic denunciation and symbolic resistance, that seems very uh, on brand. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Um, yeah. I, what I like about these categories is... Uh, it's really easy to talk about the left as like one big monolith. Right. Um, and that's what a lot of these conversations are doing. It's almost like people are kind of like intentionally misunderstanding one another because they put the left into one, one big gumbo pot. Like we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, but in fact, the left is full of all these, uh, strange political gradations. And when it comes to the Christian left, it gets even stranger, right? Like this taxonomy doesn't map directly onto the left as such. Uh, right. You like there's no to... mention of, of race, right? There's no mention of like the exactly. organization of, you know, anti-racist action. And I think that's a huge blind spot of it, but you know, it's 1984. <laughs> well there, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there, there's all kinds of uh, quibbles that you can make with it. Right. Um, yeah. There's, there's no distinction between, like you said earlier thing, even people like anarchists and Marxists, right there, there's all kinds of strategic uh, differences you might want to like push a little further. Um, but by and large, I think what's useful about this is uh, it gets us into this this conversation about how Christians relate to the conditions in the United States um, that are largely set. The terms are largely set by the Democratic Party for for the worse, mm -hmm. right? Not for better and for worse, for the worse, for sure. Um, and so when you see center center Christians and center left Christians um, kind of operating within that party directly, uh, it's helpful to kind of say, all right, there are divisions even within the Democrats. Uh, but then there's a, a category that's kind of just outside, or maybe it's one foot in, one foot out, these kind of socially committed Christians. Um, and then there's a the final category, which I think is so much more difficult to find, but also mm -hmm. to identify and parse out. That's politically committed Christians. Uh, that, I think, is one that we'll have to talk a lot more about. Um, but I think it's just useful to kind of see all these categories as... Uh, ways of um, creating more nuance and introducing distinctions that allow us to actually talk about what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think this type of these types of distinctions are really helpful, too, because, um, you know, it, in um, in the thread of tweets that you read from Jack Jenkins, he I mean, he says something that's true, but also um, is a problem as well you know so he says that, uh, you know, people disagree about what counts as the left, a debate which no one settled on. And you know, that's true. People do debate about what the left counts as, but, you know, just because people debate what the left means doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything, right? <laughs> it means mm -hmm. that uh, 
it's it's contentious but like there are things that are are surely more left than other things and at least this kind of gradation helps us see the texture of the left and not just let us abandon the term altogether and i think that's you know important yeah so maybe one way of starting to apply this taxonomy a little bit would be to return to these two tweets um, in particular. Maybe we could start with uh, Liz Brunig. So I think that like what's so fascinating to me about her particular tweet is uh, that it allows the Democratic Party to basically, again, set the terms for debate. And let me explain a little bit what that means. So she says, just to remind you of the tweet, the problem is there's no meaningfully religious left, as I've written, and there's never going to be one, not in the USA anyway. It's just people on the internet, and even then, I guarantee you, there are more bronies than Catholic socialists. Um, okay, there's a way in which this tweet can make sense, and a way in which it doesn't. Um, I think that, like, if you take the sort of Democratic Party as the uh, standard bearer for what we mean by the left, uh, then. In a sense, it's true that there's not really a meaningful religious left insofar as there's not a coalition of specifically religious interested constituencies that are just waiting to kind of hear how they can get on board in the Democratic Party. Right. Like the and and vice versa, too. There's not a coalition of religious people within the Democratic Party who are enthused about being Democrats in a way that matters. There's all kinds of religious people that are Democrats, all kinds of religious people even who probably are enthusiastically Christian and Democrat, let's say. Uh, but it doesn't really make a difference that they're a Christian. Uh, that's not the, the deciding factor of how to build a coalition for a Democratic electorate. So in that sense, there's no meaningfully religious left. Um, but it seems strange to basically decide the term religious left lives or dies based on whether or not you can locate it within the democratic constituency. Uh, and that's something that I think Kathleen Schultz helps us to sort of, uh, enter into in a more nuanced sort of way. Yeah, exactly. Because we can see up and down this gradation of center left, center left, um, social committed and like the more like revolutionary practice Christians, like all of these groups do exist in these different types of interesting ways. Uh, center, center, not so much. That's, that's uninteresting. <laughs> that's boring. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll stick with that one, but the rest of these definitely, you know, they do exist in all kinds of ways. Um, you just have to kind of look and they're there. Right. Um, all right, Matt, I'm going to turn it to you. How can they, you've said a little bit about it already, so I'll just ask you to expand. How do you think these categories maybe open up a little bit more of uh, Jack's rejoinder to uh, Liz Bernig? Right. Um, I mean, definitely the thing about like what counts as the left. This is a helpful <laughs> um, correction, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, I also, you know, Jack says there's nothing on the left that operates and looks like the religious right. And I don't know if that's necessarily true either. Um, I mean, I think we can see all kinds of um, center center Christians and center left Christians, even that like work kind of like the, the religious right. I mean, they don't have the same types of funding and maybe efficacy, but they definitely do exist. Like, you know, things like sojourners do exist. Like um, Jim Walsh will show up for democratic politicians and democratic causes all the time. Barack Obama had, um, you know, center center and center left Christians surrounding him in office and like, fine. So I don't know. I mean, like, I think that it's untrue to say that, that there's no such, you know, they don't in the, the religious left might not mirror the religious right in any ways. It's true that they're not as efficacious. That's important. 
for sure. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But um, there are some Christians who find that that model of like chasing electoralism as a as a means of getting their agenda done uh, as important, and they that they do that and it exists. So I think that's um, a helpful elaboration we can get here. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, what else is there, Dean? Uh, I mean, one thing that I think Jack gets right is that the left is a, a collection of disparate elements. Um, for the record, I think the right is too. I think it's a mistake to say the right is a kind of monolith, whereas the left yeah. looks different because it's full of all these different interest groups or, or organizing capacities. I mean, that's just politics. Uh, we make the mistake of, of making the right into this kind of capital R uh, villain that's really easy to look at <laughs> when in yeah, fact that's it's true. a lot more complicated. Um, mm-hmm. But all that to say, Jack's right, though, to say that the left is is full of all these uh, interesting coalitions and you know, sometimes those coalitions can reach a critical mass and sometimes they don't, but that doesn't mean that they do or don't exist. You got to kind of parse it out. Um, I think the trouble here and where Kathleen is really useful is showing the coalitions that Jack Jenkins is not um, interested in or aware of, or, I, you know, it's hard to figure out the right kind of word to use, but uh, the coalitions that matter to Jack Jenkins mostly seem to me to be center center and center left religious types. Occasionally mm-hmm. also the socially committed, right? Like he, he does a lot of coverage of the poor people's campaign specifically, right? Um, you can imagine him doing all kinds of coverage about stuff like Shane Claiborne or whatever. Um, that's the kind of stuff that really is like his journalistic bread and butter. But maybe this is a good time to introduce this fourth category we could talk more about. The thing that never shows up, it seems to me, in, in Jack Jenkins's work, but not just him. It's, it's He's not the only offender here. This is a, 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 a industry-wide problem, <laughs> is uh, this category of politically committed Christians, uh, which is to say Christians who are part of a revolutionary left tradition, who have a socialist political commitment that doesn't operate within uh, the confines of the Democratic Party. Um, I think this is a really significant omission uh, because, A, it means that we miss out on all kinds of stories that are very interesting. Um, So just in a kind of neutral journalistic sense, it it makes a difference that people ignore these stories. But B, it also does shape what we think is possible. Uh, Mm -hmm. It truncates our imagination of what the left is, what it could be. Um, and then, of course, the religious piece that involves in that, too. What could religion reasonably be expected to uh, get on board with or not? Um, so in that sense, I think the the categories help us to affirm one piece of uh, Jack Jenkins's uh, correct sort of identification. Um, that, yeah, the religious left exists. It's out there in movements and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but then it also, Kathleen's uh, categories helps us to see where Jack Jenkins has missed some of the most interesting or most radical left uh, coalitions that he could be covering yeah i think that's true i mean it's also the case that the uh, uh, you know the politically committed christians who belong to some kind of revolutionary tradition are i think i mean way less populous than the socially committed like um uh the socially committed but not explicitly like revolutionary communist party yeah. christians or whatever right like um the, the example the the most contemporary example that we always pull out is usually friendly fire or something right but um there are all kinds of other folks too like i mean like like catholic workers the the valve turners mm-hmm. <laughs> they're exactly these types of christians but their stories oftentimes get pushed to the side um that being said though too that there's plenty of like good historical types of stories still to tell that would shed light on a lot of the, even like the socially committed left Christians. Um, 
these stories, uh, they kind of bleed into one another in a lot of ways, right? Like it's hard to tell, um, it's hard to tell stories of, of labor specifically in Christianity without mm-hmm. kind of getting to these more, um, historical left accounts that I think are important. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, they're, they're under realized in, in sort of the contemporary journalistic scene, I suppose, but also there's like an important historical, um, outlook too, that I think is really important for them. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. Um, I think this is useful, too, because so we can make a a point about the media narrative that gets created about the religious left. um, But we can also make a point about where one might go looking for the religious left. uh, And that is like the more interesting question to me, not only because I do some writing as a journalist, but also just as a person in the world trying to think about all this stuff. Right. Because. okay, you might want to go around and find politically committed Christians. You might want to find uh, people in the Friendly Fire campaign. Maybe you'll find uh, Catholic workers. Um, But also you might go looking for Christians who have given themselves over to political organizations that are to the left of the Democratic Party and also to the left of things like the Poor People's Campaign. Um, I think these are stories that are harder to tell because they take a lot more work. But Mm -hmm. what I mean is like... uh, when there's a massive strike, let's say, or a um, uh, a movement like Black Lives Matter that is opposed not just to the Republicans, but also to the entire order of white supremacy, uh, it makes a difference if people go down to that kind of movement and ask questions about religion, and then they find the religious left uh, within those kinds of coalitions. That is something that, for whatever reason, religion journalists don't seem to do, which I find so odd because when it comes to electoral politics, they're, they have a, an obsessive kind of uh, reading with every minute religious reference one could find mm-hmm. in a speech by Nancy Pelosi or, you know, when Cory Booker is talking about going to church or something. Uh, but when it comes to, like, other events in the world, no one asks twice about where religion might show up. Just to give maybe one example of this, um, so I I write, for people that don't know, for G's Magazine, um, I read a section there on civil disobedience, and uh, when there was a Kentucky uh, mining strike uh, last summer, um, I basically was asking this kind of question to myself, like, where are religious people around this strike? Uh, it's it's uh, an event that gets covered in all kinds of non-religious ways, um, but surely there are religious people amidst the strikers, right? And as soon as I started looking, there's actually all kinds of local coverage about, like, people who are getting quoted about, yeah, like, I, uh, you know, my pastor showed up and, like, prayed for us on the line. Uh, and you can find stuff in like the Baptist newspaper about like the Baptists sent some some people to go like pray over these folks and bring them supplies and relieve them for a little bit. And it's like that creates an entirely different narrative of what the religious left is or what it mm-hmm. could be. Um, it doesn't have to be just like a pastor or a person with a collar um, deciding to be, I don't know, like on the same stage as a politician and vice versa. Uh, it might just be people who happen to be religious who are also involved in left-wing activities or organizations. Yeah, totally. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, in January in St. Louis, the um, the janitors uh, went on strike. They're organized with, um, I guess, SEIU. But anyways, there were like um, 
they they did like this big action where like a bunch of people sat in the street and got arrested and stopped traffic and stuff but like of the people who got arrested like you know a lot of them were actually like union janitors but um three or four of them were just like pastors <laughs> and but nobody really mm-hmm. made us think about that and mm-hmm. i think there's okay so first of all it sucks that, that story is kind of untold like why are these pastors showing up right i think that's a super interesting question and be it'd be cool to hear but it's also kind of interesting too that in like that sort of community of folks that it's just kind of expected that they will too like, i think that's an interesting mm-hmm. avenue too uh, but i'll yeah. say you're, you're right though that um these stories are kind of like left untold because they're not flashy or cool um I mean, I think they're cool, <laughs> but uh, they're they're not as flashy as yeah, like whatever pastor is going to show up to for a politician on stage. Um, it's yeah. also hard too because in some ways the I mean, w- when we start looking at those types of on the ground um, examples of religious folks showing up to these types of events or uh, showing up for people in these events or showing solidarity or whatever, you know, like we, you'll, you'll find that like these categories probably will break down or people will, you know, move up and down the ladder really quickly too. Right. Like I can't imagine that like the, the Baptist pastors that show up for people on the strike line are, you know, communists or something. <laughs> right. Right. But they're probably people who are center center or center left. And then like all of a sudden though, they're like ready to throw in with people who are obviously a lot more left than them. Um, and that's right. a whole other interesting part of the equation too, that this, uh, this, the taxonomy is helpful because it gives like some, some scaffolding for the, the tent of this conversation. Right. Cause if you didn't have the scaffolding, the tent mm-hmm. would just fall right in your head and be blind and be terrible. <laughs> but like, uh, at the same time, like it, sometimes the scaffolding might even kind of get in the way or we might find ways yeah. that it's, it's, uh, itself is limited and we just need to get back and, and theorize more, more, <laughs> more theory always. But yeah, I mean, it's at least a helpful place to start. Um, and yeah. we can even complicate it more. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's also true that, like we said earlier, this is an essay written in the 80s when there were a lot more politically committed committed Christians that were easier to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it is like a striking omission that like the uh, the newspaper People's World, which is the Communist Party USA's newspaper, um, they've been putting out more articles on religion, it seems to me, in the last like couple of years than I've ever seen them put out before. And why no religion journalist is interested in that is a surprise to me. Like, you know, the communists in the United States are invested in the question of religion. That is a great headline. Like, why? <laughs> Call somebody mm-hmm. and ask them, figure that out. I'm sure they would have some really interesting things to say. Um, but the fact that that's not there, I think, speaks to a certain lack of political education among journalists generally that also makes it hard for them to do a more interesting job. Yeah, I think that you're right. Well, um, now that we're kind of sort of at the end of the conversation, I guess we're, we're 43 minutes in, let's, let's turn here and kind <laughs> of add a good conclusion. Um, yeah, I mean, so we can, okay. The Christian left discourse, it's a messy one. People are angry. People are saying things and they are sometimes problematic. Um, <laughs> and, but we can think of it in these more, I think like, um, I don't know, materialist terms that Kathleen Schultz gives us um, these, these more like uh, solid categories, at least that are not perfect, but helpful. Um, so we can do all of this, but like, why would we do this? <laughs> <laughs> why is this, this com- conversation important? I think is maybe the, the question to end on. Um, I think there's probably a few reasons to figure this out. I mean, first of all, um, learning how to tell 
the story of whatever the religious left is, is important. I think that's part of it. Um, just like Dean said a few minutes ago, like if you're a journalist, you're shaping, you're shaping like a lot of people's sort of political worldview and like what they think is possible. So if you tell stories about lots of like really crazy rad Christians who are sabotaging oil pipelines or something, um, that does something to the political imagination of people who are reading it. So I think that's an important reason why, but I think also, um, for people who are, you know, religious and on the left or people who are just on the left, understanding these dynamics are, I think, a helpful piece of the larger societal analysis, right? Like, um, it's really important to know the difference between Christians who are center center and Christians who are politically committed on the, on the left, right? Like, um, knowing the difference between those two things is really helpful because like, then you know, who's on your side and who's on whose side, right? Like the, the, um, the the values of Christians who are center center or even center left are extremely different than the the folks who are socially committed um, or um, you know revolutionary or something in other ways the there's some of these people are not like compatible with one another even right that there's like a, there's some severe disagreements amongst all of these groups and understanding how they break down and and how we might add to the complicated nature of these things I think is really helpful for um, political analysis. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, I think it also kind of just brings it back to this question of uh, what does it mean to say there's no meaningfully religious left? Um, Because again, like if you're talking about a democratic constituency of as yet to be organized voters, then sure, there's no meaningfully religious left. But why would you allow that to set the terms for the conversation? Right. Uh, it seems to me that, like, even though, uh, let's say, like, members of the Communist Party USA who are interested in religion are extremely small and probably not very efficacious in the grand scheme, that doesn't mean that they're meaningless, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe this is just the the Leninism talking, but <laughs> it's like you you have to do the you have to be on the long road of organizing. Uh, if you ever want to get anywhere. And oftentimes the most meaningful stuff is actually the stuff that's not all over the headlines. Um, And even more directly than that kind of bizarre example, the CPUSA, like uh, the Catholic worker, like people shutting off oil pipelines, that's pretty meaningful religious left action. Uh, people, um, organizing within like unions or, uh, people trying to show up for people on the strike line who happen to all be Christians, um, or some other faith, like that's very, very meaningful religious left, uh, presence in the world. And to write that off because, uh, some religion journalists like to talk about the Democrats, I think is, um, a severe mistake. Like, not only does it truncate our analysis, it also, uh, like you said earlier, Matt, it um, it becomes a, an, an unimaginative problem. And that's the last thing that anybody needs on the left right now, I think. Unimaginative problem is a good way just to say it's boring. It's boring and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Center, center Christians, it's true. They're meaningless. But also, who cares? Not interesting. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So we've done it again. We've revisited this whole topic about about the Christian left. And um, I regret to say that it probably won't be the last time that this will probably happen again in another few months and we'll have to do it all over again. But listen, here's the good thing. We have this article from 1984 and it's never going to go out of style. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, We should ask uh, Kathleen Schultz to expand it or rewrite it. 
Yeah, that would be pretty good. I would really appreciate that if she did it. Well, I think uh, the one thing that is safe to say by way of conclusion is that whether or not there is no meaningful religious left, there is perhaps no meaningful religious left discourse on Twitter. And that is the big takeaway from this episode. Thanks for listening to The Magnificast. If you like what you heard, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash The Magnificast. You can find us on Twitter at The Magnificast. You can send us an email at themagnificast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group, The Magnificast Basement. You can buy some merchandise from us at redbubble.com. I was trying to think of what that was. Uh, Our music, as always, is by Amoria Armstrong, and our outro is by The Illogical Spoon. Uh, we'll see you next week when Matt and I will surely have devoured even more pirate literature. The church in the morning, church in the morning, souls alive. Heaven come to earth and there won't be no church. We'll meet down by the riverside. There we'll swim with all creation. Never get tired, never bored. Don't worry, someday there'll be no dam between us and our Lord. Jackson, keep your hoods up, and keep your hoods up, and you stay up late. Jackson, you keep your hoods up, well you keep your hoods up, and you stay up late. Oh, don't mind a cold night, but we might mind if you leave too soon. So come on now, it's still...